salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Commission, and I am here to start week six of the NFL schedule by talking about the Thursday night game between the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay goes to Philly. Tom Brady goes to Philly for the first time as a Buccaneer on Thursday night, and they do work. Enough said. I I can turn the page, start a new chapter. Tom Brady does his thing. The offense does their thing. Leonard Fournette, shout out to Leonard Fournette. This guy is cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Said, man, you ain't good enough to play with us. Hey, I'll go to Tampa Bay and get a ring. And that's what he did. Had a great night on Thursday night. He gives the team 82 points on the ground. I'm sorry, 82 yards on the ground. I believe 31 yards in the air with two touchdowns. Outstanding game for that man. And Antonio Brown, A.B., Former Steeler, former Raider, former Patriot goes out there, has a phenomenal game. Nine receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. I'm going to touch a little bit on Antonio Brown in a second, but I want to touch a little bit on Thursday night's game. Two narratives come from what I saw in that game. One, the Buccaneers is a great team. And people out there are probably saying, you mean to tell me, Commission, I stayed up this late just to hear you say that? Let me try to make my point. The Buccaneers are favored by six and a half points. They win by six. How they manage the game is what makes them great. How they manage a football game, to me, is what makes them a great team. There's not, there's not a lot of teams in the league right now top of your head that you can say is a great team. But if they can manage a game 60 minutes which they can control the clock, they can control possession, they can move the ball, they can produce positive yards, they can convert on third downs. And for what Tom Brady shows, if you look at Tom Brady, if you haven't already, this guy lets the ball go within a few seconds of the snap. And so it's hard for these defenses to really put a rush on Tom Brady. And it's, it's, it's outstanding. It's phenomenal to see Tom Brady at work because it seems like every game is the same fluid motion. Sets the ball, hikes the ball, and then boom. And then hike, boom, hike, boom. And it's almost as though he knows exactly where these, re- these receivers are going to be. He knows who he wants to throw to. And the question really becomes, will they catch it? Will they convert? And these guys are so young, Godwin, Evans, A.B., still relatively young. Uh, They used O.J. Howard a number of times. They used Cameron Braid a number of times. It was flawless. He was dumping it, boom, 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 no problem. Any team that can manage a game like that, where you see very few miscues, you see very few mistakes, that's the team that you know outside of just winning the game will go far into the season and perhaps the playoffs. The Buccaneers can do that. The Buffalo Bills can do that. The Los Angeles Rams can do that. I mean, there's a handful of teams right now you can just think about them and say they can do what these teams do. The Los Angeles Chargers can do that. 
You know, it's 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 amazing how these teams, when they get into a rhythm, it's almost like nothing can set them out of their rhythm. They can't get psyched out. They are focused. The Buccaneers team is focused. The Bills team is focused. And for what we saw Thursday night, I mean, you, you, you're watching, just you're watching another game. I mean, what I mean by that is you're watching Tom Brady play, and it's almost like, man, he did this the last game. And, and, and mind you, you know, the defense is broken up. I mean, the defense is uh, suffering from a number of injuries, and the secondary is not the best. Uh, they're decimated pr- practically all around. Uh, it's it's just amazing to see if, if it really came down to how they can win a game. As long as Tom Brady's upright, chances are you're going to win. And, and, and it's not to say anything about the fact that they're playing in Philadelphia. You know, Philly, what can we say about Philly? Philly goes to this game two and three. And, uh, you know, you know they, Philly played a great game near the end of the game. They probably did a lot better at the end of the game than they did in the beginning of the game. Before long, the running game came to life. You see Miles Sanders run all over the place. Jalen Hurts runs for two touchdowns. You know, it's 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 like okay, good. I'm glad to see that Philly responded to whatever Tampa Bay was dishing out, but it was too little, too late. And the second part of what I want to talk about, the second dynamic is that the Eagles team, outside of them being bad, Jalen Hurts is just not ready to be a starting quarterback. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I You know, I don't take anything away from Philly necessarily. I mean, of course, they're division foes. I really ain't got no love for Philly. But because I am a host of the show and I'm on the mic, I, for what I saw that game, it's amazing how – they, they struggled against Dallas, right? They struggled against Dallas, and, and before long, Dallas just kind of wipes the floor with them. And then they struggle against the, the Panthers in Carolina, but they manhandle the Panthers. So you're thinking, oh, my goodness, it's, it's about time that Philadelphia, you know, found new life. And you saw what Jalen Hurst did against Carolina Panthers in that defense. And so when you, after seeing that, you know, that, that Sunday against Carolina, they come back on Thursday night and, and, and preparing for the Buccaneers. And they looked like they reverted back to the way they were against Dallas. And, it's, and, and whether it's, it's the fact you're talking about uh, preparation or if you're talking about your, your opposition having a better defense, that defense for the Buccaneers is not the best defense. Whether it be in the league, whether it be for Thursday night or for the week, that defense is broken. There's a lot you could have done with that defense. But I I really do believe when you look at Jalen Hurts and what he's trying to do, he's trying to have the perfect game. And, and this is a, a situation that is contingent on a lot of young quarterbacks that are starting for the first time or are, are now the perennial first quarterbacks. You know, they're... they're basically the starting quarterbacks of their teams. So Jalen Hurst is now the starting quarterback. Not that there would be any uh, doubt as far as who's going to start, because who else was going to start for that Eagles team but Jalen Hurst? But Jalen Hurst tries to do too much. He's missing passes. I mean, he, he's throwing the ball two or three yards over people's heads. I, I, I think he panics quickly. He has happy feet. The moment he sees that rush, he's ready to run. 
if I'm Sirianni, and this is what I was saying about Philly. If I'm Sirianni, I'm talking to my young quarterback, and I'm trying to grab hold of him, saying, listen, dude, calm yourself down. Try to concentrate on the receivers that you're trying to throw to. Set yourself. Focus. Don't try to give away who you're going to throw to. And that's another thing that a lot of quarterbacks suffer from, especially the young quarterbacks, is that people the, 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 the defense will read your eyes. They'll see what it is you're going to do first. And then before long, the moment you got locked on this one receiver, the defense swarms to that receiver and boom, you got an interception or what have you or an incomplete pass. So Jalen Hurst has to find a way to be comfortable, first of all, in that pocket. Second, he has to trust his offense. He has to trust his offensive line and that they will block for him and they will create for him if necessary. And then he's got to rely on his receivers to make sure that if the pass is there, that they got every opportunity to catch the ball. This guy's the timing is off. You can see how the passes are rushed. And it's like Jalen, man. And again, I'm not taking anything. I know he's young. I know he hasn't had a lot of starts. But at this part, at this moment, he is not the quarterback for this team. There are no other quarterbacks to rely on. So this is baptism by fire. And, and we see this with uh, a number of other um, teams. You see it with Tua Tungavailoa and, and, and his team. And you see it with, um, shoot, up until recently, Sam Darnold was doing pretty well. But you saw how they played against Philly. So they have a game against Minnesota. We'll see how they do against that defense. But there are so many quarterbacks that I think they, they have happy feet or, or they're panicking in the pocket and they'll just do anything to make sure that they can make a play and it's bad it looks bad Jalen Hurts needs more work there's no doubt in my mind that he could be the franchise quarterback for this team but if I'm the coach if he hasn't done this already grab hold your quarterback grab him hold him put a hand on his shoulder and tell him listen partner calm down we, we understand you're new to this. We understand that this is only your 10th uh, start with the team. And I know this is all new for you. And, and we got new guys out there you can throw to and all. He's still trying to get a feel of the receivers. He's probably still trying to get a feel of the running game that's been absent for most of the season. But he has to calm down. Yes, he can run. Um, he can run outside the pocket. He can create with his feet. Given. That's why they signed him. That's why they selected him in the draft a few years ago. But it's just the fact that this brother just needs to calm down. Otherwise, he is not the right fit for Philadelphia because nothing of what he's doing right now gives us any reason to believe that he is the fit in Philly. Because this the man struggles. He's he's hot one moment, cold, and then he stays cold, and then he's in this funk. He's in this 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 maze of of gray, and he can't get out of it. And, 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 and whether it's whether it's just the fact that this is all new experience for him or if it's just the fact that these defense are really putting it on him, he is really running for his life. They dropped the two and four and uh, they are a game ahead of the basement New York Giants at one and four. And, you know, you know, I, I, I don't want to make more of it than what it was. 
for Thursday night's game. But they did come back in the second half, so I will give them kudos for that. I know that they didn't just sit back and just let the game just go right to the Buccaneers. They they played for pride. They played hard. They might have even played hurt. But uh, it just shows the dynamics between a great team and a very struggling team with the Philadelphia Eagles. So says the commission. Uh, I'm going to segue from the Thursday night game into what I wanted to talk about. Um, There's there's two segments here I'm trying to concentrate on, but the next segment I want to talk about comes in large part to what I heard recently on TV. Um, Had a lot to do with some of these commentators on TV, and they're discussing about what teams out there are the better teams with, with uh, losing records right now. And one of the questions that came up was, what, who are the better two and three teams in the NFL right now? And it's interesting that people would actually sit there and think about who are the better two and three teams. Because if you're two and three right now, chances are that team may not be good at all. There may not be any type of progress coming from that team. There's no time these teams would even win more games. It's just the fact that right now they just have to be two and three. They started off cold. They probably won a game somewhere in between all that, but then lost the last few games. However, however it happened. But it's just when you're thinking about the better two and three teams, first of all, up until Thursday night, there were seven two and three teams going into week six. Minnesota, New England, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Washington, Kansas City, and of course, Philly. Of those teams, two of those, actually four of those teams were playing against each other on Sunday. You got Kansas City going to Washington, and you have Seattle playing at Pittsburgh Sunday night. So you got two, two, and three teams, four actually total, that are going up against each other. And you're trying to figure out what's the better two or three team. Now, if you're looking at the Kansas City game, Kansas City at Washington, I think everybody and their mother would probably say that Kansas City is the better two or three team versus Washington. But that's not by much. And this is what I'm trying to make the point of. We're, we're splitting straws or we're, or we're splitting hairs as between which team, which two and three team is better than the other. What makes Kansas City better is the fact that they've been to, what, two Super Bowls in the last few years? We're talking about the fact that they still have Patrick Mahomes that can still pass the ball as in comparison to a Taylor Heineke. That's been doing okay, considering he wasn't supposed to be the starter. But, I mean, is it fair to really say that Kansas City is better than Washington? Are they more experienced than Washington? Because they don't look that good either. Nothing about what Kansas City has done really looks that great. And and considering the fact that uh, they've lost three games, some of those games were close. They had a close game on a Monday night between uh, Kansas City and Baltimore, but there's nothing impressive about Kansas City at this moment to really say that they even deserve to win against Washington. What Washington needs to do is just wake up that defense. You know, somebody needs to kick, you know, the crap out of that defense in practice and let these guys know you're still one of the best defenses in the NFL. In spite of the record, you have the advantage playing at home against a Patrick Mahomes team that's struggling a bit on offense. You saw what happened against Buffalo, and they were playing at Kansas City. Now, of course, I'm not going to compare Washington to Buffalo because Buffalo kicked the crap out of Washington, but it's still the fact that Washington has the advantage. And in spite of them being the underdogs, 
Washington has an opportunity to win that game against Kansas City. Now, without being a homer, I do want to see what Washington does against Kansas City's defense, because I think if you had to compare defenses, their defense, Kansas City's defense is a lot worse than Washington's. So outside of what Heineke can do for that team will be the determining factor if Washington wins at home on Sunday. Of course, I like Washington, but at the same time, Kansas City is six and a half point favorites. So I guess the bottom line to this would be the fact that if Patrick Mahomes can find his weapons, if he can find Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or Darrell Williams there, or Darrell Williams uh, in the flat or in the open that he could dump to, and then I guess if Mahomes can scramble for a few yards, then that may be the determining factor of them winning. But I can't see them winning by more than six and a half points. Are you serious? Kansas City? Really? Okay, well, we'd have to wait and see on that one. Sunday night, about the same. Seattle's playing without Russell Wilson, and they're going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is very tough on Sunday nights. And, you know, Roethlisberger himself is hurt. So when you're looking at these two and three teams, what, what exactly gives us the impression that Seattle's any better than Pittsburgh or that P- Pittsburgh's any better than Seattle? If you're asking me, it really does come down to what Ben Roethlisberger can do because he would be the advantage uh, for that offense against a very dismal Seattle defense. And and, and let's, let's call for what it is. If that Pittsburgh offense can move that ball on Sunday night, then this is a no-brainer. They're favored by five and a half points. But can we say that Pittsburgh is better than Seattle? If you ask me, outside of what Geno Smith may do to replace Russell Wilson, we could get the surprise of the night, depending on what Seattle defense comes to play against a very, very limited Pittsburgh offense. Just because Roethlisberger is out there doesn't mean it's a shoo-in. Doesn't mean that we're good to go. And considering the fact that Roethlisberger himself is playing hurt, you get one rush up the middle, or you find a way to blitz on Roethlisberger, you bring him down in that environment, and this could be a different ball game altogether. It will probably be a lot closer than what they predict for Pittsburgh, but it's still the fact that I can't see how Pittsburgh would be better than Seattle. The advantage that they have is that they have Roethlisberger that can still throw the ball. Seattle doesn't have Russell Wilson, and we just don't know what Geno Smith is going to do. The running game is still... Um, dysfunctional, if that's the word, for Seattle. They, they, they can't find somebody that could run the ball consistently. I don't know if they can find anybody available that's not hurt to run the ball for Seattle. So it's it's a huge question mark as to what this team can do as well. Minnesota and New England, uh, they got two tough games ahead of them as well. Minnesota has to play Carolina at Carolina, and New England is hosting Dallas. Uh, it should be great games. Should really be great games. Uh, there's, there's no question in my mind what Dallas can do to New England. Mac Jones still has to remain poised. He still has to play his style of football. It's been fairly positive. It's been fairly progressive. You know, they've lost the last two games by three outside of the game that they lost. Got manhandled by New Orleans. You know, it, this is a team that, of course, is going to slowly getting to their own and uh with 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 the help of belichick managing that 
offense and the defense. It's just a matter of time before New England becomes the powerhouse they used to be when they had Tom Brady. It's just that it won't. It probably won't happen against Dallas. I like what New England's defense can do against Dallas's offense. But even with that being said, this two and three team, even though they could shock us by defeating Dallas, a lot of things would have to come into play, and they'd have to play a near perfect game because Dallas's defense is still one of the top defenses right now in the NFL. Much can be said about Minnesota. Each loss they've had was by seven points or less. So the bigger question would have to be, is is this the problem of the defense or is this the problem of the coach? Coach Zimmer, I don't think Coach Zimmer really had any type of um, response from his team. I don't don't think he really had the ears of his players. I, I don't know if they respect him. I don't really get the feeling that Zimmer really wants to coach these guys. The look on his face half the time is almost as if he he could just leave and go play golf somewhere or leave and go riding on a boat somewhere and go fishing. This is the look I see on Zimmer's faces from time to time. They had a nail biter against Detroit last week, which they could have lost, but they managed to kick a late field goal to win that game. And they've been struggling a lot of these games they've been playing. They get beat by Cleveland by seven. And then, you know, they barely win against um, uh, Arizona. And I believe that they uh, they lost to Cincinnati. But it's just the fact that Minnesota's up and down. They're very erratic on both sides of the ball. I don't know what type of two and three team we're getting out of Minnesota. I just know that at this point they have a long road, a long hill to climb because of the fact that we see that Chicago's getting better. And we know who's sitting at the top of the hill with Green Bay. So they have the work cut out for them. Be interesting to see what these better two and three teams will look like on week six. So says the commission. The time that I have left, I am going to shift gears and talk about, I'm going to talk about two things. Yes, I'm going to talk about two things before I can wrap this up for the evening. I want to start by talking about the Raiders organization and the response from what's come down from the Raiders organization by allowing former coach John Gruden to leave. Uh, You know, they mentioned that he quit he resigned from the organization i feel like he got fired you know you don't go to an organization to quit you could have probably done that on the phone or knowing john gruden says he's good with emails he could have just done it that way as well but regardless of how he was released the biggest scrutiny going on right now is the fact that there's so many emails out there there's a vast number of emails that have yet to be touched and so we really don't know the extent of what other emails out there that could be damaging or destructive to the people and executives within the NFL. And this becomes the biggest question mark because we don't know what the NFL is going to do, but we know that the NFL is in charge of whatever happens next. Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, was approached and asked about the resignation of John Gruden and basically about the number of emails that still exist out there and I have to tell you if 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 we're talking about any other supervisor if we're talking about any other president or any type of owner of any organization for the response we would get from that person 
anything remotely close to what we got from owner Mark Davis, you would really have to question that company. You really have to question that organization. The response was very simple, very sarcastic. I have no comment. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. Now, that burns me. That burns the commission. Because what you're basically doing is you're trying to tell everybody that you are upset. You're disappointed in how the NFL handled this. In so many words, you feel as though the NFL has done a disservice to you because you had to find a way to let your baby boy, your, your, your rising star, your brightest star and the coaching staff and John Gruden go. Well, listen. John Gruden put that on himself. Don't try to twist this and turn this to make it seem as though this is the NFL's doing. You can't indict the NFL for something that John Gruden did, unless you're trying to say that the NFL had all the time in the world to do something about this before Mark Davis decided to hire him a few years ago as coach. Maybe then he probably could have saved himself a few million dollars. But regardless of what your message was trying to be sent to us, it's the fact that you're not taking responsibility and accountability for the fact that you knew who John Gruden was when you hired him. You mean to tell me you didn't know what John Gruden was capable of? All these other people, players and coaches alike, knew everything about John Gruden and his personality, be it raunchy or not. And yet you sit there like the innocent lamb being led to slaughter, thinking that you didn't know what type of behavior, personality, came from John Gruden. If anything, you're just as guilty as he is because you understood who John Gruden was and you knew what this man could have said or could have done, even though you didn't know at the time, allegedly. It's still the fact that when you found out about the number of emails in place, you took it personal. You felt like they were going after your boy. Well, they're going after your boy because of the comments he made against the NFLPA executive director, DeMaris Smith, or DeMaurice Smith, and the commissioner, Roger Goodell. So what you're basically saying is, it's okay for him to speak his mind about these people? You condone that type of attitude? You condone that behavior? Because from what you told us, it's, it's not up to you anymore. You have no comment. It's out of my hands. I don't want to talk much about it. Leave it up to the NFL to do something about it. Well, the NFL will do something about it. And they do have all the answers. And I got and I got a question if any of those emails have anything to do with the conversations that might have been said between you and John Gruden. And I hope that they decide to investigate further on these emails because it will bring a lot of these issues to the light. And 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 Executive Director Smith said just that. He said there are a number of situations, paraphrasing, there were a number of situations where, you know, people could have been hired or fired or not even hired because of content, because of character, because of their color, because of their beliefs. And 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 it's 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 a black eye on the NFL all over again for what you're trying to what you're trying to uphold. In, in the eyes of, of, of the fans and the people that have been following the NFL, you took two steps back by letting us know that they have all these emails that are out there by all these other executives that need to be concentrated on it. And, and you know, it's 
it's sad. It's the bottom line is that this is a sad day for the NFL. Of course, people will forget it and move on from this. And, you know, I brought up Antonio Brown's name earlier, and I know he was on Hard Knocks when they were in Oakland, and everybody was throwing stones at Antonio Brown for his behavior there in Oakland. But you know what? He probably knew what the situation was going on there with John Gruden. He knew what John Gruden was and the type of person, the personality that he had and the behavior that he had, which is why he wanted to be out of Oakland. And then we sit back and we didn't think much about it because we thought it was just Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown, but we probably should have seen the bigger picture in the relationship between Antonio Brown and John Gruden. I don't think Antonio Brown's will come out and say much about him now. But I got to believe the question ever comes up between him and the relationship with John Gruden when he was in Oakland, it may have a lot to do with why he didn't stay in Oakland. So with that being said, I'll be the first one. The commission will be the first one to say, you know what, Antonio Brown, that's my bad. I apologize for what I said about you before when you were with Oakland. I really thought you were just trying to get the heck out of there because they couldn't find a helmet for you or because your feet froze up and you couldn't fit the cleats. And whatever case that was at the time, maybe that was just your way out of it. And I understand now. But with that being said, you know, the NFL really has their work cut out from. I'm dying to hear more about it. And I will talk more about the scenarios and situations and concerns that may come up in the future. I am the commission. You have been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I'm going to do my best to do it a little bit better next time. I want to thank those out there for listening. It means that much to me. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I'm going to be talking some NBA stuff, so you know, keep your ears open. With that being said, I want to say peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated, people. And I'm out.